Mashup, your number one source for sports gaming and everything in between. I am your host, Jake Patterson, and it is the ultimate pregame week. It is champ week. We got the big conference tournaments starting, uh, in the case of the ACC, in about an hour when I am recording this. Because the first game of the ACC tournament, it means absolutely nothing. It is Georgia Tech, Florida State. They're both bottom feeders of the ACC. They are 13th and 12th place, respectively. And they tip off at 2, which is in just under an hour. Same thing with Louisville-Boston College. Like, Louisville has been absolutely putrid this year. Virginia Tech-Notre Dame, these games mean nothing. Because even the teams who win today are going to get shit on tomorrow. Like, the, the first couple days of the ACC tournament don't mean a damn thing. Same with the Big Ten. Like, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Minnesota, Nebraska, these aren't very good teams. It'll, it'll slowly, like, the real tournament doesn't actually start until Thursday for, for any of the big leagues. The, the real tournaments don't, don't start until Thursday. And those are all going to be great. I'm, I'm mostly looking forward to Big 12 and Big East because the Big East tournament is just a hotbed for chaos on its own. And then the Big 12 has generated nothing but pure unbridled chaos all year. So when you add the energy of March into that, in a league where seven teams out of ten are probably going to make the tournament, you're going to have a good time. You're going to get a lot of good games out of that. And that entire league, they all hate each other. So the the Big 12 tournament is, is going to be pure, unadulterated chaos in the best way imaginable. And yeah, like... The first two games of of the tournament. One, they're separated by nine hours between tip, which is just absolutely insane. But they they got screwed over by their ESPN deal. I don't know how any member of the Big 12 let this happen. But Iowa State and Baylor and... TCU and Kansas State. Those are going to be fun games. And then it's only going to get more insane when you start getting into, like, the Texas Techs. The Kansases. The Texases. The Oklahomas. Like, when you start getting into those those really good teams, who boy. I mean, you already have... You already have four. That's... Yeah, that's that's almost half the league that are playing in those first two games. And I think all of them, other, maybe other than Iowa State, are worth, like three of the four of them are worthy tournament teams. That, that Big 12 tournament is going to be pure chaos in the best way imaginable. But the main thing I want to talk about is a tournament that has already concluded. It concluded on Sunday. I otherwise had a very good day on Sunday. I got up way too early, but other than that, 
I had a good day on Sunday. Went and, went and saw a musical I've wanted to see for years at a very nice dinner theater. And at night, I watched a, a top-tier wrestling show with, with two match-of-the-year candidates. But in between, I had to watch the biggest helping of grade-A farm-fresh bullshit college basketball has ever served me. The A-Sun Tournament Final at the KSU Convocation Center in Kennesaw, Georgia was, to put it bluntly, an absolute farce. Liberty didn't have their best game. I won't deny that. When Darius McGee goes 0 of 11 from 3, that's the thing. See, that's the thing. When Darius McGee goes 0 for 11 from 3, Barely cracks double-digit scoring. I expect us to lose by 20. Maybe more. If Darius McGee has that bad of a game, it should not be... The final score should not be decided by one point. Let's just put that out there. Let's Let's just put that out there right now. Darius McGee had 14 points, three rebounds, two assists, two steals. That is a terrible stat line for him. In 37 minutes. On some absolutely atrocious shooting. He went 0 for 11 from three. When Darius McGee has that bad of a game, Liberty should not lose by one point. And if Darius McGee only goes to the free throw line once, something is clearly fucking wrong. Especially with how aggressive KSU was playing defense. And that's why it was the most egregious, most obvious bullshit I've ever seen. Like, even even Allen and Scar. Great commentators. I love listening to them. I had the TV muted and was listening to the radio feed. Even they were saying, how is Darius not getting fouled? Because he was getting assaulted. Every drive to the rim, or I'll I'll be fair, every other drive to the rim, KSU defenders were committing aggravated assault on the best player the Atlantic Sun Conference has ever seen. But no whistles. Terrell Burden and Chris Youngblood flail their arms around like one of my high school teammates who was famous for this crap. When a a Liberty defender breathes on them and they get the fucking whistle. It's bullshit. So, to the ass son, I say, there are consequences to your fucking actions. So guess what? I hope you enjoy watching your hand-picked champion who are also fucking leaving. They're leaving next year. July 1st, 2024, they're coming to CUSA with Liberty. They're leaving just as much as Liberty is. They're just doing it a year from now. 
Like, they have decided they're better than you, yet you still hand them the conference championship trophy. You should be ashamed of yourselves for hiring refs of that caliber that people could be forgiven for thinking they have money on the games. Like, if it came out tomorrow that ASUN refs had been gambling on the games they worked all season for the past, like, four seasons, I wouldn't be the least bit surprised. And I bet you wouldn't do a damn thing about it. Because you're too fucking cheap to pay for real refs. The conference line all year has been screw Liberty. And I know I sound like a conspiracy theorist when I say that, but I watched that game. I was horse cock and you know it. A lot of Liberty fans won't like that I'm talking like this. I don't care. I, I speak my mind. And if that means swearing who, I'll swear. This show's marked explicit anyway. I couldn't talk like this when I was on the light. And I'm glad I'm not working at the light right now because I would be talk. I would, I would really have to rein myself in. But my God, what a joke. But now you get to deal with the consequences of your actions. Uh, preferring Kennesaw State uh, means they're going to get a worse seed. Liberty would have been a five or not a five, a um, 12 Liberty might've been a 12, maybe even an 11. And much like the 2020 team who got screwed over by COVID instead of you very likely could have made the sweet 16, depending on how the bracket shook out. Instead, your handpicked champion will be lucky to be a 14 where they will then proceed to get ass-blasted by Marquette or one of the other threes. Marquette, UConn, or maybe they'll be even less lucky and get a 15. Then they'll have to play Bama, maybe Kansas, depending on the results of the Big 12 tournament. Maybe Baylor, depending on the results of the Big 12 tournament. Texas. And they'll lose by 30. Instead, you you could have had uh, you could have had your conference champion uh, go in as as an eleven or a twelve, uh, win that first game because you everyone knows you always pick at least one twelve seed and one eleven seed to win every year, and my money would be on Liberty, unless Furman also gets an eleven or a twelve because they're really freaking good. And teams should be scared of them. No, you'll, uh, you'll, you'll have to be, you'll have to be happy with uh, a 14 or a 15 getting absolutely ass blasted in the first round. Uh, your actions have consequences, Atlantic Sun. You, you could have, you could have had a team maybe go all the way to the Elite Eight. Instead, you're going to get a team who's one and done. Everyone will be like, oh, Youngblood's kind of good. He'll go transfer somewhere else. And uh, you'll be without your biggest ratings draw next year 
year after that, you'll be without the Atlanta market. You still have Charlotte. Not like Queens are all that good, but you'll still have Charlotte. University of Charlotte's right there. People care way more about them. And I feel like a lot of people in Charlotte are more likely UNC fans, like actual UNC. So, you know, um, have fun being completely irrelevant again. Uh, Queens, Bellarmine, uh, I hope you all enjoy our sloppy seconds. And Lipscomb, I am actually going to genuinely miss you guys. Uh, put the rest of these losers that call your conference because it is your conference now. Uh, call this conference home in their place. And yeah, um, I'm like, Kennesaw State could be playing Kentucky and I will be part of Big Blue Nation for those two hours. Like, I want this team to experience nothing but abject misery. By all accounts, their fans are insanely rude and their PA guy is annoying as fuck. So, and um, Atlantic Sun, may I remind you that 3,800 is not a record for the conference title game? It's not even half the record for the conference title game? The record for the conference title game was set in 2020. It was 7,700 at the Vine Center. Not 3,800 at the KSU Convention Center three years later. But, you know, you, uh, you've, you've made your stance clear. Uh, I hope you're prepared to live with the consequences of, of your champion getting absolutely obliterated on national television. And the only thing people take away from that is Youngblood's really good. He should go somewhere else. Huh. <sighs> I had to redo that segment because I was even more mean to Kennesaw State and I didn't like how I came across. So, uh, yeah. Um, let that sink in. Go Flames. Hopefully we'll, uh, hopefully we'll get a bid to the NIT and, uh, we'll get to go to Madison Square Garden. Like, I know the NIT doesn't mean a damn thing, but, hey, if they manage to win it, I will still be happy because... At least Darius gets to go out with something because he deserves to go out a lot better than that horse shit of a conference title game. But that's what I got for college basketball. We'll, we'll get a little more in-depth next week because I was I was mostly focused on the ace on this past weekend. We'll, uh, we'll get a little more in-depth next week with uh, Selection Sunday and uh, taking a look at the bracket. But up next... We'll uh, switch gears. It is Major 3 as well this weekend for the COD League. We'll uh, get into that up next here on the Mashup. Welcome back to the Mashup. Let's, uh, I have calmed down. I needed to get that off my chest. It's just been festering since Sunday, and I was finally I was finally able to let it all out. That, that felt really good. That was incredibly cathartic. And... For all the Liberty fans who don't mind the insane amount of language I used, uh, I hope I hope you found it cathartic as well. Because based on the reactions I was seeing on Twitter, I think we all needed that. It's just 
some of us are a little more careful with what we say. <laughs> I'm not. I haven't been since I graduated. And Liberty Twitter doesn't begrudge me that, except for the occasional joke. <laughs> Which I, I am very appreciative appreciative of. Like, they, they, they do send the occasional joke about, like, reps my way, but it's it's all in good fun. <laughs> but let's, uh, let's get into the thing most of Liberty Twitter doesn't give a single crap about. <laughs> Call of Duty League. Uh, major three is this weekend. It's the optic major. It's, uh, going to be at ESA Arlington. And that is always a wild venue. Or no, uh, it's just ESA. ESA Arlington is, <laughs> would be eSports Stadium Arlington, Arlington. So it, it's going to be at ESA, um, which is always a wild venue. Uh, very optic friendly because... They own the frickin' building. Like, very few esports teams have home venues, even outside of North America. But uh, Optics sure does. It is in Arlington, Texas. I mean, they they have friendly crowds pretty much wherever they go. It's just Texas is their home. Texas is their hotbed. And they have a very interesting first match, if for no other reason than the Scump Methods watch party, because Methods is on all of the Scump watch party now, is going to be freaking hilarious. <laughs> because, like, Methods has always, is like, to his core, he's an Optic guy. Like, he's back with Optic now that he's retired, he's back with Optic as a creator, but he's still very much a Breach fan. <laughs> like, when Allie picked uh, Rocker, which um, Rocker did not win that because they went 0-5 in qualifiers and they, they, get the, they get the very rough start of... Their first match is a team who could very easily win the whole thing. <laughs> Because they get the loser of FaZe and Thieves. Poor Rocker. <laughs> like, congratulations, you went 0-5 in qualifiers. Now your one loser's bracket match is the is two of the three teams who could very easily win this thing. <laughs> but hey, if they win that, they get... <sighs> yeah, excuse me. They get either... Uh... Legion Surger Gorillas. So, uh, in the un very unlikely event they win this match, because I know they're gonna blow up this roster as soon as as soon as this tournament's over, and they're gonna start fresh for uh, Major Four through uh, the rest of the season. But it it has not been a pretty past couple weeks for the Minnesota Rocker. But this is this is going to be an interesting tournament because I mean one Ultra and Subliners is the first match of the entire tournament, and Scrap's been talking a lot of shit without the results to back it up because didn't they just lose to London? I'm I'm pretty sure they, I'm pretty sure yeah they 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 just lost to London. That's not good. 
if you lose to London, you you need to forfeit the rest of the season. Because London are really freaking bad. I mean, you did get the uh, you did get the amazing call from Miles on on Saturday in the surge match, which London did lose. But hey, they won control. And Miles had that incredible call of I was at opening night of cocaine bear. And this is still the craziest thing I've seen. London have won a control. What an incredible line from the guy who knows the league can't fire him. Because that man has the ultimate job security. (laughs) I think I've discussed it on the show before. Like, if the Call of Duty League was ever stupid enough to fire Miles or not renew his contract, you know where he'd go? He'd go right over to the HCS. He's already friends with a large majority of the casting talent in HCS, including Lottie and Golden Boy and Onset and Bravo, and I think Tony and Shyway. Like, he's friends with most of the HCS casters. He could just slot right in to the HCS, and he'd be golden, and he would know the HCS couldn't fire him either because he'd just go right back to COD. Like, that is a man who is in a who knows he's in a very good position and takes full advantage. And... And I love his commentary for that because he knows he can basically do whatever he wants. As long as he doesn't start dropping racial slurs on the broadcast, which I don't think he would ever do. He's golden. He's literally golden. But I had to, I had to give miles a shout out for that. Absolutely incredible line. Uh, If you haven't seen it, I retweeted it. It doesn't, it doesn't take long to find just search my Twitter. Um, Something like this is better than he's but a mouse, and you will you will probably find it. If if you know you know when it comes to the he's but a mouse thing. But yeah, Ultra versus Subliners is going to be insane because uh, I'm pretty sure this now much more veteran Subliners team is gonna want to put Scrap in his place <laughs> because, like. He's been talking a lot of shit and he does not have the results on his resume to back it up yet. Not even close. Like he can talk if, if for some reason he dropped back down to challengers, which is unlikely, he's still ultra's best player. It would, uh, he would be able to talk shit again because he has enough challengers gold to, say whatever he wants. But when you're in the big leagues, when you're going up against guys like Hydra, Kismet, Dashy, Illy, or well, Illy's not on a team right now, but Hook, Clay, in the unlikely event they end up playing Vegas. <laughs> Cause I I think uh, I think Vegas is going to be one and done in this tournament. <laughs> They've gotten better than they were. They're better than they were last year, but they're still not very good. But yeah, this is, this is going to be an interesting one. Of course, FaZe and Thieves have to play each other again in the first round because 
It's always fucking phase. I don't get it. Like, I know LA, like, 100 Thieves as an org were founded out of Optic. Like, without Optic, 100 Thieves does not exist. But why have we become the ultimate phase rival in the COD League? Like, it's still Optic and Halo. It's absolutely still Optic and Halo. But why have Thieves become the phase rival in COD League? Like, Optic and Phase hardly ever play each other. The last time they genuinely, like, played each other in a memorable match was Major 1 last year. And those were two very good matches because you had the reverse sweep in... I think it was Winners 2... Yeah, it was it was um it was winners two. You had the reverse sweep in winners two, and then you had the with that absolutely dominant six zero on Tuscan Search in map five. And then you had the final, which, for all intents and purposes, was effectively a stomp. Like five two is a stomp in a in a best of nine. And everyone going absolutely ape shit in the venue when when optic won and then they sucked for the rest of the season and then phase just choked every tournament they were in they made the finals of every other tournament the rest of the year but one and lost in all of them more often than and in two more of those three finals they made they lost by a score of five to two it was beautiful now they have a major under their belts, and I hope we're not in for another Cold War season where it just gets kind of boring because FaZe don't stop winning. I don't think that'll happen this time. I think I think there's much more parity in the CDL than there was during the Cold War year. But I could see FaZe winning. I could see Thieves winning. And I could see Breach and Optic winning. Breach because they're genuinely very good and are hot at the right time and optic because it's an ESA that crowd is going to be 98% green wall above the normal, you know, 90% green wall that they get at non ESA venues. That crowd is going to be mostly green wall who don't give a crap about the other matches and just care about optic. And cheering phase onto a loss. So I don't think, and cheering whoever plays phase. So I don't think phase is going to do that well at this one. I think they'll do phase things like they'll, they'll make a run, but uh, and a pro optic crowd is going to be a lot nicer to thieves than they would to phase. Just cause like they know their thieves' older brother. And like they talk shit to each other, obviously, but they still want each other to do well until they play each other, which I hope happens. Like that would be an awesome final. I don't think it'll happen, but Thieves Optic would be a really fun final. Like in ESA, and you have an Optic legend come out and hoist the trophy the optic trophy with a different team. I don't know. I think that would be really funny. <laughs> but yeah, those are, 
those those are my overall predictions. I think uh, those are your top four with the best chance to win. Thieves, Phase, Optic Breach. Not in that order necessarily, but I, I didn't want to say Phase first. Uh, Rocker, Rocker and Ravens are going to get destroyed. <laughs> Probably Florida will too. I, I don't see these four teams that started in losers making much of a run just because of other than surge gorillas, the quality of the winners round one matches, like you've got very good teams matched up with each other. Like no one, no one fluked their way into winner's bracket other than gorillas. So they could like gorillas could very likely go. Oh, and two, I don't see any of the other teams going out into like surge. If surge lose to gorillas, they won't go out into phase and thieves are both would both absolutely win their first losers round game. Same with Bre- breach and optics, same with ultra and subliners. Unless, unless scrap really puts his foot in his mouth. Like I don't see ultra getting double first rounded or anything, but this is going to be a fun tournament. Hope everyone enjoys because, uh, the next major in about a month and a half is not going to be good at all because it's just going to be in the studio in Columbus with no fans, um, which is going to suck. Like major four in cold war was nice because it was on LAN, and we had just spent a season and a half watching exclusively online play, but then major five happened and everyone was like, Oh, that was so much better. Champs wasn't good that year. I will die on that hill. Champs in 2021 was terrible. Major 5 was the best tournament of that year. That was one of the best COD tournaments ever. Like, Cold War Major 5, Vanguard Major 4. Two of the best COD tournaments ever. I will die on that hill. These were Those were both Champs quality. But that's what I got for... Call of Duty League up next. We'll uh, switch gears again. Stay on the video game side of things, but uh, much more serious, much more grounded, and in this case, much more live action because we're going to talk about the penultimate episode of The Last of Us. Oh my God, this one was a doozy. I knew it was coming and it was still worse. That's coming up next here on The Mashup. Okay, let's talk about this one, because, oh my god! I knew what to expect. I've played the game. Multiple times. I know who and what David is. Yet they still made him worse! How the hell do you make David worse? He was a cannibal pedophile in the game already. How did you make him worse? Oh my god. So, let's get into this one. We open with a guy uh, preaching from Revelation. It's It is a very common passage preached at funerals. Like it is because it is, it is genuinely like meant to be very uplifting. Like he, 
I'm obviously paraphrasing from multiple different translations, but he will, he will wipe away all tears and there will be no death for all the old things are passed away. That was a massive paraphrase of Revelation. Revelation is written in such a way that is really hard to remember the syntax, but that's that's basically the gist of the passage he was reading from, that at the end of all things, God will wipe away tears and destroy death itself. Like, it is meant to be a very uplifting passage. That's why it's preached at a lot of funerals. And I'm like, uh, I don't trust this guy. Well, one, I know who he is, so that... That uh, colored my perception a lot. And I am genuinely mistrusting of of preachers in post-apocalyptic settings. Because a lot of times they are twisting those words to their own ends. Uh, looking at you, Joseph Seed. I mean, that wasn't post-apocalyptic. That was a, a prepper cult. But... Joseph Seed is the the best version of of that trope ever of villains who take just enough correct Christianity and twist it and they twist it just enough where you're like wait this is wrong but it feels so close to the real thing it makes you uncomfortable and it's clear that I think uh I'm sure Neil Druckmann has played that game at least a little bit like Neil Druckmann does his research on the industry. I'm sure the fact that they cast a guy who didn't look that much like Game David, but, well, he kind of looked like Game David, but he kind of looked like Game David if Game David was related to Joseph Seed. <laughs> like... Tell me I'm wrong. People who, people who know what Joseph Seed looks like, tell me I'm wrong. And know what David looks like in the game, obviously. But think about it. Like, it makes sense, doesn't it? I literally just thought of that, and it makes perfect sense. But when when he started talking, when he started talking to that girl, I was like, oh, oh. I, I was like, I was, I was watching with my dad and I was trying not to spoil anything about who and what David is, but I was like, woman, for the love of God, do not let this man anywhere near your daughter. And like, it's a little messed up because her dad was the guy who Joel killed at, uh, at the college at UEC. I thought they were fireflies. They were not fireflies. But then that is that is also what happened in the game, because when you meet David, he does know who you are in the game. That was ripped. That was ripped straight from the game. But this was. Uh, seriously, how the hell did they make him worse? But you get basically the same opening other than the uh, other than the rabbit scene, which I'm kind of glad they cut because that would have been absolutely horrific in live action. Like, it's already brutal enough in the game where, because in the game, 
Last episode is not there. Last episode is DLC. And if you play the game, even the complete version, even like Last of Us Part 1, the Left Behind DLC is separate because at the beginning it has like an establishing shot of telling you when in the timeline this takes place. It just skips straight to this part, David. And oh my God, they nailed it. Because you still have Ellie hunting. She kills the deer. Uh, David and James walk up on it. And James is played by Troy Baker, which I, I loved. I was worried when I saw the trailer, I thought Troy was going to be David. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, that's so messed up. Like the original Joel is now David. Like, ugh. But at the same time, I'm very much for if they remake the Harry Potter movies, casting Daniel Radcliffe as Snape. Which is a very similar thing, if not, not as bad, because Snape's not a pedophile, he's just an asshole. Like, big difference. Snape's still a dick, but he's not a pedo. <laughs> but, see the two of them, they have about the same conversation. They they drag the deer into that old uh, that old sawmill. And they start the fire and they start talking. And then David says he was a fucking teacher. Oh my God. Craig. Craig, you had to make him a teacher. What the hell? He was already bad enough. Why did you make him a middle school teacher? Oh my God. And you get the obvious scene where uh, they like take they like take those that bucket of meat into the kitchen, and they say, "Oh yeah, it's venison." It. I was looking at it. I was like, "That is that is not venison." My my dad asked, "That's that's not venison, is it?" I said, "No, it is not." <laughs> that is definitely not venison. I didn't go as far to say what I wanted to say. I wanted to say, "No, that's Alec." The, uh, the name of the guy uh, Joel, Joel killed at the university and that, that poor girl's father. And speaking of which, oh my god. When, when David goes and, and backhands that little girl and says, you are, you'll, you'll always have a father and you should res show him respect when he's speaking. Oh my god. Made my skin crawl. Made my skin crawl just saying it again. Like without any of the without any of the intonation or his cadence, just repeating his words. Made my skin crawl. Ugh. God, I Again, how the hell did you make David worse? <laughs> but you get the Ellie in a cage scene, and you get the the more blatant reveal that he's a pedophile. Ellie breaks his finger. Bella had an awesome delivery on that line. Like Ashley Johnson's version of that line's really good. Bella, Bella had an awesome delivery of that line. Tell them Ellie is the little girl who broke your fucking finger. Like, ugh, chef's kiss as always. Like Bella Ramsey, Pedro Pascal, both 
picture perfect casting for this show. I say it every week. I don't care because they keep proving me right. Like when when Bella got announced as Ellie, I was like, I was like, fuck yes, perfect, perfect casting. And over the course of the last eight episodes, I have been consistently proven right, as has basically everyone else who said this was a good casting choice. But seriously, Craig, Neil, did did you guys re- I love your work, both of you. Uh, did you really need to make David worse? <laughs> I'm going to keep coming back to that because, oh my God. And then you get, of course, the incredible scene where Ellie is running from him and trying to kill him in the burning down steakhouse. Uh, I both love and hate that section of the game because in the game, it's really, really, really freaking hard. But it's also very satisfying because... Like, the game's a little less subtle about it, but it's very obvious what he is. And then again, they had they had another line to just make him even worse. Like, you know the fighting's my favorite part, or... Oh, oh my God! I, I hate saying this out loud. This is a grown-ass man who is at the youngest in his late 30s saying this to a 14-year-old girl. This man used to be a teacher. Oh my God. And he's using these people's faith to get them to follow him. He clearly doesn't believe a word of it. Oh, I, I hate this guy. Like you, I know, I know Ellie mostly just brutalizes his face with the meat cleaver. She rips out of his hands. I kind of hope she chopped his dick off too because that's what he that's what he deserved. Uh you should have you should have done it while he was still alive just whack and then go to his face because um the right to not suffer cruel and unusual punishment no longer exists in that world. Like you don't have a right to not suffer cruel and unusual punishment anymore. So, uh, yeah, if I'm the motions of her arms made it seem like she only beat the crap out of his face, but I I like to headcanon that Ellie cut his dick off because one, it's not out of character for her. (laughs) Two, she was blood boilingly angry. She would probably think to do that. And three, it's, It's just what that piece of garbage deserves. But yeah, poor Troy Baker just took a meat cleaver straight to the neck. Like, like, oh yeah, Ellie killed Troy Baker. (laughs) I was kind of hoping it would be, it would have been funny if it was the torture scene. It was, it was the Joel torture scene. Like that would have been, that would have been pretty funny too. Oh god, that scene was that scene was also very intense. He uh and Pedro turned on the Mando voice and like without the helmet and with Joel's personality is much scarier than the Mando voice. Or than like Mando's normal delivery where he's just very stoic all the time. Like Pedro's 
like Joel sounded like angry Mando. And that was horrifying. But uh, now we just have the finale. I hope we get the giraffe scene. I don't know how they will make that work. But they teased the giraffe in the bedroom in Jackson. They teased the giraffe. And I'm pretty sure they teased the giraffe in Sarah's room too. Like, please, please let us have the giraffe scene. If it's the finale, you may as well go all out making us all cry. So just, just do it. Just go all out making us cry with, with the giraffe scene and, and how that, how that episode I know is going to end. Just, just go full tilt. You've earned it. I'm prepared. Um, I, I won't, I won't spoil anything, but I will say people who have played the game who haven't played the game, I don't know if you are, but, uh, just, just hold on to your butts. It's going to get bad. I hope we get to see a few more infected just because like the infected haven't really been an issue in the show, but it also makes sense because they've, like exclusively been traveling through rural areas. I mean, that horde at the end of the, the second Kansas Kansas city episode was horrifying. We've seen exactly one infected since then. It's the one who bit Ellie and Riley, but yeah, that's, uh, I know it was a shorter episode today, but, uh, I wanted to get this done and recorded so I could play season three of halo infinite. And it seems my timing is impeccable because it is almost two o'clock and that is when the update officially goes live. So, uh, hope you all enjoyed. Hope you all enjoy the rest of your week. Hope you enjoy chant week, champ week. And, uh, next time we talk, the bracket will be out. Until then, see you guys next time.